Hello everyone, it's Mel here again with another episode of the Weekly Watch. Uh, sorry, this one's been a bit delayed due to technical difficulties and and then yesterday I wanted to record it and I was like, oh, Walking Dead's going to start in a few hours, I might as well just wait till the next day and talk about The Walking Dead and oh my god, do I have to talk about The Walking Dead. So just a quick overview on this week's Weekly Watch, I'm going to be talking about Storks and Inferno in the cinema section. And, and now let's get right into the TV section. You, you're probably going to be happy to hear that this week I'm not going to be talking about pitch. Yes, you heard that right. No talking about pitch. Well, I'm, I'm kind of talking about it now, but you, you know what I mean. There was no episode, so I can't really talk about it. I think that's the first for me on the weekly watch, so there you go. Um, the big highlights for me this week um, were, of course, as always, Westworld. It's just my mind is just spinning from everything that's happening there. Now here in the UK we haven't had um, episode 4 yet, um, it's going to air tonight, um, but I couldn't wait any longer so that's going to be on the, on the next episode. Um, so I'm not really going to bother talking about episode 3 because you've probably read all kinds of theories and recaps and stuff from last week. It was, an, it was a great episode, I, I loved it. Um, the, the one thing that really had me going was that we found out that the creator, uh, Anthony Hopkins, that he used to have a partner. And something happened to him about 30 years ago. And then I remember that in the pilot mentioned there was a malfunction in the park or something happened in the park about 30 years ago, which seems to have changed how the park works or is approached or something like that. So there's, there looks to be like a kind of a big bang event that happened about 30 years ago, which a lot of stuff seems to be connected to. And I assume we're going to be finding out sooner or later what that was and how it impacted everyone in the park. So I'm really excited about that. I've seen in the previews that in episode 4 we're going to find out a bit more about the maze. So I, I can't wait to see that. Like every week I'm watching this with my maid and we're really making an event out of it. Um, <laughs> which is like we're connected via PS4 because we're not living in the same city. And we're watching it together. And the, every time there's a commercial we're like, oh my god, can you believe this? Can you believe that? Oh, what's your theory? That just debunked that theory. And it's just, it's such an event, just like The Walking Dead has always been for us. So I really love the show. I assume you're all watching it anyway, so it's brilliant. Keep on watching it. I, I can't, I hope this, this is going to go on for season after season after season. I'm so interested in it. The last time I was interested in a show like that, I think was Lost. And that was epic, so... Um, now from Westworld into The Walking Dead. I mean, last night it was it was one hell of an evening. I mean, to find out who finally, you know, who got Lucille, and then something that I didn't expect to happen was that a second person also died due to the fault of one of the other characters. Uh, even though apparently that seems to be debatable, but for me, clearly, you know, Daryl being Daryl clearly caused the second person's death. Well, why, why am I being... Ugh. It's aired. Everyone's seen it. I can say who died. So before the episode started, me and my mate were like, well, who do you think is going to die? And I was like, hmm, you know, judging, but no, I'm not sure. Uh, I I always thought, if I, if I was Negan, I always thought that I was going to kill Rick, because he's the leader. But then I'm like, well, if you kill the leader, everyone else, like, he's going to be turned into a martyr, and you already killed him, so you can't re-kill him. How are you going to keep control of these people? So maybe killing Rick is not the right idea. But then who else do you kill? His son? Or, you know, what, what are you going to do? 
So I'm not such a great Negan as a uh, as Negan. Um, I would have killed Rick, which probably would have come back to bite me in the ass. Um, but who eventually dies is Abram, which was my pick. Um, considering when the episode starts, you don't immediately find out who got sealed. And just by from what you've seen, and I was like, who was who was on the right of Nick? And we we're like, shit, I think that was Maggie. It's like, no, no, they, I don't think they're going to kill Maggie. For some reason, I don't think The Walking Dead would go there and kill a pregnant lady. I don't think so. Not while she's pregnant. Well, you can kind of debate that Carl's mom, you know. Is a, mm, well, I, somehow I thought, no, they're not going to be able to kill, kill Maggie. They're not going to go there. I was like, no, I actually think Michonne was next to, was next to Rick. It's like they would, and, and the entire time until they finally showed us who died, I was like, oh my god, oh my god, no way, they're not gonna be able to, no, they're not killing Michonne. She just got her own, like, telltale game. It's like, she, she's not, no way, no, they're not gonna kill her, that's ridiculous. And then, judging by what Negan says, it sounded like he, I was like, oh, they're killing a dude. I was like, I think they killed Abram. Because you know how in, in, in the in the cliffhanger previous season, um, how he kind of like, you know, put his chest out and got up and he was clearly defying Negan and Negan, you know, he noticed it and he was like, uh-huh, uh, yeah, you got balls and whatever. Um, I was like, I think, I think he's gonna, he, he's probably, if, if, if he's not killing the leader, then he's gonna kill someone like Abram, who's, who's clearly defiant and, and, and a strong dude. And then obviously that happened and we were like, oh my God. And how it happened was so gruesome, and it, it was just ah, oh, it was it, it was crazy. But on on the one hand, my my friend over um, over the headset, I I could hear her. She was she was really like it was getting to her. It's like this is a bit much. Could she, you could actually see Negan like bashing that skull in, and I was really unaffected by it. And I was like, what's wrong with me? And then. Later on, obviously, you know, Daryl goes, you fucker, or whatever, attacks Negan, and Negan's like, uh-uh-uh, the first one was free, this is unacceptable, and I'm like, oh shit. And and my friend was like, oh my god, they're gonna kill Daryl. It's like, there's no way they're gonna kill Daryl. You don't penalize the person that did something, you penalize someone that's important to them, because that's way more powerful. And then he starts bashing Glenn Scullin, and I'm like, oh my god! It's like, but, but Glenn was like, oh shit, yeah, he was on borrowed time. You know how he was under the dumpster and we all thought he died and then he came back and we're like, what, the nine lives of Glenn, what? And this time clearly he's not coming back. And that obviously has like a trigger in Maggie and oh my god, it was one hell of an episode. And then the whole stuff with him taking uh, taking Rick in, in the RV and, and the thing with the yaks and I'm like, oh my god, I got really confused about it. It's like, why is the axe on the roof? I thought he tossed it like forward, not upward. Well, yeah, I got a bit confused about that. But it was such, it was such a great episode, and like Andrew Lincoln, like Rick, um, he he was in in so much shock. I mean, al already in the cliffhanger, you know, previous season, he like he had teary eyes, and and he was clearly in shock, and he just couldn't believe all the shit that was happening around him. It was just fucking powerful. And then when when Negan decided to chop um, Carl's arm off, I was like, oh my god, he's gonna go there. And I was like, shit, I mean, I've never read the comics, but 
Is, does Carl just keep losing body parts? I mean, now that he's lost an eye, is he just gonna keep losing shit? And my friend was like, I, I don't know. Is, like, is he just gonna turn into an invalid? But then obviously, you know, Negan was merciful. And I was like, oh my God, he's such a leader. He breaks you and then he's merciful. So you will be forever grateful to, to you. So everyone's gonna be forever grateful to him. Um, that Rick didn't have to chop his own son's arm off and that was that was a really powerful scene by then when, when it was going to the arm chopping off before then i was like yeah okay abram died glenn died it's, it's like abram was like mm, yeah okay and then a step further i was like glenn mm, okay yeah that was that was pretty of a gut punch you know a bit, bit of a gut punch and then the the whole thing about carl i was like oh my god okay yeah you've got me now and by the time negan and his and his gang left and left everyone to their own devices and, and to, to have the shock slightly fade and to have an emotional reaction to everything because you now for the first time can I just lost my shit and when Maggie was like oh we're so gonna get this fucker and I'm like oh my god you know every, everyone else was like okay let's not touch him and they, they got Daryl you know as a hostage and he's gonna send him back bit by bit if, they, if Rick doesn't do what he tells him to do and I'm like oh my god I mean, this Negan guy, he's a clever dude, seriously. He's got it all figured out. I can't wait to see how they're going to get rid of him. That's going to be amazing. Um, like I said, I, 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 don't, I don't know the graphic novels, so I've got no idea what's going to happen. But it was a powerful episode. I know a lot of people, like when I went through my Twitter feed, I've cancelled my subscription and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, really? This was one of the best episodes ever. I mean, I, I have an affinity to... To villains, I love villain characters. I find them really, really interesting. Um, I remember first time I ever watched Star Wars when I was like, I would was like twelve. I know I started late, but um, when I was twelve, I watched Star Wars, and I remember I didn't really give a shit about Luke Skywalker. I liked Han Solo. I thought Princess Leia was a bit like, yeah, okay, she knows how to shoot a blaster, but just like every stormtrooper, she doesn't really hit anything. But then Darth Vader, and I'm like, I kind of like Darth Vader. And obviously by the by the sixth episode, sorry about Return of the Jedi is what I'm talking about. Um, his redemption and everything. I was like, fucking shit, man! This is this story is not about Luke. It's about Vader. I care for him, and that that kind of really informed me when when I was younger. And I was like, wow, I really have a thing for villains. They're the more interesting characters because they're allowed to be good and bad, or let's say bad and good, and Everyone else is just so black and white, and the villain characters. There are a lot of there's a lot of gray shades in there. They're the interesting ones, and that's exactly what Negan is. And getting someone like Jeffrey Dean Morgan to play him, perfect. He's such a charismatic guy. Uh, I just I would sign up with his gang. I mean, he he's he's really. I mean, you know, he's a tough one. He doesn't shy away from violence and stuff. But to be fair, the group did attack his people first, without seemingly without any reason. So Negan's just doing what a good leader does. He's trying to protect his own people. So we haven't seen much of him yet. But at the moment, I kind of don't see him as the bad guy, even though, of course, what he did was horrendous. But I can kind of see his reasoning. So I'm, I'm on board with it. I'm, I'm intrigued. And like I said, I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I mean, he's a fucking brilliant actor. And when I heard that he was going to be on Walking Dead, I got really excited. 
I was I was a bit um, I was a bit disappointed when I heard that um, The Good Wife was was going to be cancelled. And he was on the last season of The Good Wife, or maybe the last two seasons, I can't remember. But he kind of elevated that show. And I, I just love this dude, and he's going to be fantastic on this show. I mean, I love The Walking Dead anyways, but it's, it sounds like, you know, they, it just got even better, even though we're now losing Glenn. And when we were watching The Talking Dead afterwards, and they did this whole... It wasn't the In Memoriam, but they did like a little um, special like looking back on the last seven years of Glenn and I was like oh my god look at this little baby face you know I'd forgotten how young he was and we were reminiscing about this before and we were like do you remember when Rick met him and like in the tank and and this, oh yeah Glenn with his little baseball hat and I was like oh my god he wore a baseball cap when we met him and now he died by a baseball bat that's just horrendous and then they did this whole like video special and I was like oh my god look at those little baby faces and it just occurred to me, it's like, yeah, it's been seven years. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. It's such a great show. I assume you're all watching this anyway. Because, I mean, seriously, it's like Game of Thrones. Who doesn't watch The Walking Dead? And I mean, there are some people who just can't stomach it, which is fair enough. Some of my friends, they, they say the same thing. It's like, they're just being gruesome to be gruesome. It's like a Saw movie. It's like, yep. It's not about the zombies. It's not about the gore. It's about the characters. I think that's why everyone's watching it. That's, I, that's why I'm watching it. That's why I'm watching most of my shows. I don't really care about the packaging. I care about the characters. And they are fantastic in The Walking Dead. And I absolutely love it. Alright. And last but not least, I wanted to give a quick mention to um, a tiny little show. I'm not sure how tiny it actually is. It's a BBC show. It's called The Fall. And it stars Gillian Anderson. Um, it's currently in its third season. I'm not sure if anyone's heard of it yet. Um, it's a police show, procedural show. She plays, Gillian Anderson plays a superintendent, I think in the Met Police. And she goes over to Ireland and um, helps them out on, on a case which turns out to be a serial killer case. And they are basically trying to catch this, like find out about the killer find out that it's actually a series of murders connected by the same person and then they're trying to catch him then they caught him and now he's in prison well he's in their custody um, and all kinds of shit happens um, it's a really good show it's a BBC show so I think it's only six episodes per season so they're really small you know the typical British TV shows as opposed to American TV shows that have like 20 22 episodes um, I've just recently caught up. It's been like the third season started a few weeks ago. I just caught up last week. And it's it's absolutely fantastic. If you like police shows, especially if you like British police shows, they're very different from American police shows. Even though in this one, there's still a lot of action. Um, but for me, why I started watching it was because Gillian Anderson is in it. I love Gillian Anderson ever since The X-Files. She's great. I, I've seen her in a few things. and. She, she does a really good job and it's just the entire show it's it's kind of like Hannibal but whereas Hannibal is very visual um, visually grotesque and bizarre and gruesome um, I, I mean come on it's my favorite cooking show I know that sounds weird but it is the way this guy was cooking it was just I know what he was cooking but I just I just couldn't look away I was absolutely enthralled by what he was doing I was like, Cannibal, seriously my favorite cooking show ever. 
and the fall is is not so visual on things it's more of a psychological uh, gruesomeness that's going on there it's a very very disturbing show um, but it's really good I really love it it's the last season the third season as far as I know so I can't wait to see what happens in the last um, two episodes I've only seen up to episode four I think you should sh uh, you should check it out if you like Gillian Anderson check it out if you like cop shows um, if you just want to see something that's a bit different if you usually just watch American TV I mean I'm guilty of that I pretty much I think 99% of the shows I watch is American television so if you want to see something a bit different go and give the fall a watch I think you're not gonna regret it and with that we're going into the movie section so this week we watched Storks the animated film and Inferno you know the the Tom Hanks uh, Da Vinci Code thingamajig um, not Da Vinci Code thingamajig you know it's the third one in it's the third installment in the Robert Langdon series and Tom Hanks is back and um, Ron Howard's directing again is is really really good um, after I mean I'm a huge fan of the Da Vinci Code I really loved the film when it came out I read the book can't remember if I read the book first I probably wouldn't have because I usually don't um, I haven't read any of the other Robert Langdon books when the second one Angels and Demons came out I was a bit disappointed because I don't know it was just it was such a procedural thing without heart and I just didn't really care I didn't really care about the character either it was just it was a decent flick but I don't really remember anything that happened in a film and that's not a good thing it's just not memorable whatsoever now this one Inferno I think maybe because of angels and demons I had very low expectations and I absolutely loved it okay loved it might be a bit might be a bit much I I, th I had a lot of fun from start to finish I think it's a really good film it's very predictable obviously you know it's it's this whole mystery thriller again uh, just like the other ones where you're trying to piece stuff together it's kind of like the girl on the train you know you 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 have instead of Emily Blunt you have Tom Hanks and you're trying to piece everything together um, until the final you know resolution and then that's it but this time I, I really had a lot of fun with it. What, what I loved about it is that right from the get-go of the film, the start of the film, you start in full-on action mode. You start with Tom Hanks waking up in the hospital and he doesn't remember the last two or three days. So he's partial amnesia and he doesn't know how he got there or what happened. Just like the, like the audience, like the viewer. So he's the perfect avatar for the audience like he's never been before and usually this whole you know the, the partial amnesia or full amnesia whatever it is it's such a cheap plot device that I, I usually don't like it in this I absolutely loved it and I'm not sure whether it's something to do with Tom Hanks's portrayal of it he does it so well and this this amnesia bit it, it also brings in some much needed levity into the film um, there are a few scenes where I mean th th there's one scene that really had me laughing out loud um, they they start in the hospital and Felicity Jones plays his doctor and then immediately like five minutes in it felt like we, we, we hardly started the film and then there was someone showing up shooting at them and they had to go and run and so they end up in her apartment and they start talking about stuff he is Obviously, he's Robert Langdon. He's definitely he's desperately trying to piece 
together what happened because he doesn't remember the last two days. Something happened to him. It looks like he was in an accident. Why is he in hospital? How did he get there? What the hell has he been doing? And I was really interested in that because he was like, I need to know this. And I was like, well, yeah, I need to know this too, man. Let's figure it out. So I was really into it. And they were just in the apartment and talking and she was just giving him some information, which um, I thought was a bit convenient. Uh, I, I did say it's a very predictable film. Um, and then he was like, oh, I could really use some, and he can't think of the word. And he describes it, you know, it's it's a hot drink, it's brown, you usually have it for breakfast. And she's like, do you mean tea? No, no, the other one, coffee. Coffee, yes. Can I have a coffee? And the way they do it, it's just, it's so well done. And I could so relate. I mean, I sometimes have that, that I'm trying to to say something and you can't, you can't think of the word for whatever reason. It's on the tip of your tongue and it's just it's not coming out and then you start describing what you what you're trying to say until someone goes like oh do you mean blah 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 it's like oh my god that's what it is you know those kinds of things where you can't remember and then at three in the morning you're like oh my god that's what it is and you immediately text your friend it's like oh i was talking about coffee and everyone goes oh you were talking about coffee and everyone just laughs or, or people just go, it's like, fucking stop texting me at 3 a.m. What the hell is wrong with you? Mm, you know, depends on your friends. But yeah, it's it's that kind of a film. You know, that you you start on a roller coaster. Not at the start of the roller coaster, but you're already like halfway through the track. And it's just fantastic. I had so much fun. We we're immediately like, okay, let's go running, running, running. We're not giving you time to breathe. We're not really giving you a lot of time to think, which is perfect for a film like that. And then he starts piecing together what happened to him over the last two or three days. And you find out more and more as you do. And you go to really nice locales. And um, I think they're in... I can't remember what city they started out in. But they're basically... They're in Italy. And he's been working with the WHO, the, the World Health Organization. Um, trying to find... So, or trying to stop an outbreak of, of something and you have all these individual players that he well he doesn't really necessarily interact with them at first but they're all after him everyone's after Robert Langdon because he has kind of like a missing piece he has like this weird tube that has this as you've seen in the trailer you know this this map of Dante's depiction of hell you know the this, the the what is it ten circles of hell? I I don't even remember how many bloody circles there are, and they they find out things and they go from one locale to the next to the next to the next and piece everything together as they always do, and it's just done in such a such an interesting way, and I I think for me it really it, it sings or swims with Tom Hanks's portrayal, and the way that he performs. As, as Langdon, the way he plays Langdon in this really resonated with me. Him not knowing what happened to him and desperately trying to figure out what have I been doing in the last two days? That really worked for me, absolutely. So they go from, from one locale to the next, they're looking at uh, they're looking at um, like paintings and sculptures and stuff and there's a really cool um, scene where he's approaching I think it's a museum 
or, or, or something similar to that and um, they run into someone and, she, and, and the lady's like oh Professor Langdon you're back you've just been here like a day or two ago and he's like oh really have I now hmm what have I been doing oh well you were asking about this this mask and they're um, and they're looking at it and she's like well the funny thing is that the mask has been stolen and like, oh that's weird can we have a look at your security tape and as they go into the, the room and they look at the security tape I don't know why they would let Langdon look at that but okay whatever plot device um, the entire time um, he's been he's been going through some emails that he's received from a friend um, and it's like don't worry I've got it safe and I'm safe and you know where I am a little hint message that he hasn't deciphered yet and then they, they go into this video room and everyone in the audience basically was like oh man oh man and then they start looking at the video and obviously what's gonna happen and that's not really a spoiler because that is so predictable everyone saw it coming a mile away you obviously see Langdon stealing the item on the videotape that he is currently watching surrounded by a couple of people and and the entire time it was just like awkward awkward really bloody awkward it's like what what the hell is like you know when people start eyeing you from the side like ever so slightly going like uh you made us watch this you made us watch you stealing the item why the fuck would you do that the, oh partial amnesia you know partial amnesia it's really it's really funny and it's just really awkward and it's just like uh, how's he gonna get out of that it's it's one of the highlights of the film I really really like that one I mean that one stuck with me uh, just like the coffee one I thought it was really cool because again if Tom Hanks's portrayal of Langdon doesn't work the scene is fucked but he does it so masterfully that I was just like oh my god this is brilliant this is so brilliant and I think that's why I like this film there are there are a lot of scenes um, throughout the film like little gems that are absolute highlights for me that just stuck with me and that that made me really love the film now the film itself is not that great especially in the third act when the resolution comes it doesn't make a lot of sense some of it um, it's very really like really really you're now explain and th there's one character who meets up with Langdon in the third act and he goes on this huge exposition slash resolution rant trying to explain how everything fits together and it is just so ridiculous and makes zero sense that you're like really you had to put this scene in there because otherwise none of the shit that you're doing in the third act actually makes any sense with what came before and then of course what, what you also have you have the predictable switcheroo some betrayal is always happening in the film or in those kinds of films um, you see it coming from a mile away you pretty much see it coming from the start of the film um, but I still I still liked it I really still liked it um, and I think it's got more to do with how the third act is actually portrayed uh, w one of the things that's happening in there is I mean Ron Howard he knows his shit you know he knows how to how to make a film and he knows how to visually make a film stunning and he got some really nice locales I mean and another thing that really um, that really stuck with me 
and that you also saw coming it was really predictable but that didn't diminish that the fun i had with it was um in in one of the museums it might have been a museum where he stole the mask in um there's there's some kind of a chase scene and there's a shootout and some action scenes the action scenes in the film by the way i i really enjoyed i thought they were really cool um and then something happens and you're like oh my god they're gonna get away from this person but i think they're gonna destroy one of those huge paintings and sure enough not even two minutes later the person kind of crashes through one of the paintings and dies and and i was like oh my god they just destroyed this painting this is priceless art and my my friend next to me because I, I was just like almost shouting throughout the cinema like, oh my god you just destroyed this priceless piece of art and my mate was like they they just killed a person do you not care it's like no i don't care about that person it's just one person and it was a bad guy they destroyed this priceless painting and i'm not even an art aficionado or anything i usually you know i like art but i also don't really care you know or, or so i thought but then they destroyed them I'm like oh my god this is like hundreds of years old what have you done and i was literally like like i can feel it now and just going through my body i'm like oh my god i'm really distressed about this and not about the person that died it's like what's wrong with me but yeah so that really worked on me it's like, oh my god no they're not gonna do it they're not gonna destroy this 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 painting it's like no way oh my god it's not just any painting hanging on a wall it's one of those things that are on the ceiling you know like uh, i don't know what you call it because i really don't know art but it's like a ceiling painting or a ceiling fresco or whatever you call it and they fucking destroy it and oh my god it, it really got to me but that might just be me um but yeah it looked really cool and then near the end um when you go towards the the resolution there's a really great um locale in i think it's somewhere in greece um it's a grotto underneath um is it athens i can't remember uh, what city it was in but the grotto um i mean it obviously there's water in there but they um established certain walkways and there is some some kind of a festival or an event that happens i assume once a year or something where they have um an orchestra in there because of the particular acoustics that happen in this grotto so amongst all the water in there they have these pedestals where where they have the musicians and they start playing and the cool thing about the grotto what actually makes it visually really um enticing was that it's red it looks like the water is blood red and i think it's got something to do with the reflections of of the stones or what with w whatever um the the flooring as the ground is in the water i can't remember exactly but it looks it looks fantastic like this crimson color and the the cold grotto walls and it's it's just i i can't even paint the slightest picture of this you just have to see it you'll know exactly what i'm talking about it is absolutely fantastic so despite the the whole resolution thing in inferno being re literally it's redonkulous it's absolutely stupid but that grotto is just so enticing and they're trying to they're, they're, they're basically running against time trying to to stop um is it a biological or chemical bomb 
something is supposed to go up there. I think, no, no, it must be biological because everyone should be infected. It's an international event. So um, they're trying to infect everyone in there so that when they then travel back to their homes, they will have spread this disease worldwide. And it's, it's a fantastically brilliant plan, uh, seriously. And th there's really great action sequence in there. Um, there's a lady um, for the WHO that knows Langdon and she has like a really cool kick-ass scene and I was really rooting for her and I'm like oh my god she's gonna die you can't let her die and I think I think she's actually um, the actress is in Westworld as well she's um, oh, I can't remember her name that's bad um, she's in, in the control room she's the one who works with Jeffrey Wright um, I think that's her the entire time I was like, I know this woman, I know this woman. And then I figured out she must be the one in Westworld. But yeah, it's Inferno, really, really decent film. I wanted to say really great film, but that's actually not true. It's a decent film. Tom Hanks as Robert Langdon is on in form, like full form, perfect, absolutely. F it, it, it's great just to see him do his thing. Like he, he does the action thing, he does the puzzling piecing stuff together. And what he does really well is the humor. I don't really think of Robert Langdon as someone who has a good sense of humor, but he's really funny in this. And I think most of the time it's because of his partial amnesia, but it works. It worked for me. I know my mate, she, she didn't really enjoy the film as much um, because the story was predictable and in the resolution of it in the third act was absolutely stupid seriously silly it, it was just oh my god now we have to come up with an ending to this oh let's just write all this exposition for this one character give him a monologue in this scene and then we're done with it and that was it it was just it, it felt so staged and checklisty it was it was really cheap it was not good so overall i think the amnesia plot worked really well um because the audience and langdon find out the plot at the same time you know, he doesn't know what he's been doing, neither do we. And we, what I loved is that we start right smack in the middle of the action, having to run out of a hospital. I mean, Langdon, he's, he's, he has a concussion, he's just regained consciousness, he's really weak, he can hardly walk, and he has to run away from someone who's shooting at him. I mean, this is just like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! It was awesome. And then this whole thing that he remembers um, Dante's depiction of hell and all the circles and, and all details of some kind of historical artifacts but he doesn't know he doesn't remember what coffee is called you know it's, it's just it, it works so well even though it sounds really weird I really I thoroughly enjoyed it from A to Z even though there are things in there that are a bit stupid and silly but there are other things in there that make up for that and Oh, also, we, we have, I, I mentioned Felicity Jones, I forgot Ben Foster, he, he plays a big part in this as well. Um, he is basically the dude who created the Inferno virus or whatever we want to call it. That basically starts this entire thing. Um, and the, I guess the message of the film also comes across as in, like, he looks at mankind as a virus that the world needs to be rid of. Um, no, that's actually not true. Um, it, it's more along the lines of mankind's gonna destroy itself within the next 50 years or something. Because there are too many of us. 
So what he's trying to do with the Inferno virus is to decimate about 50% of the overall global population so that we don't go extinct. So from his point of view, what he does makes sense. And it's a bit frightening and, and scary to think about it, but you know, the dude kind of has a point. But on the other hand, you can't just kill three billion people now, can you? It's, it's like, uh, everyone's got their point. And that's another thing I like about the film, that we were discussing this after we'd seen the film. And it, it, it is, you know, it gives you something to talk about. Not just the film, but, but the general idea is like, party number one wants to do this for these reasons and it kind of makes sense but then party number two goes no you shouldn't really be doing this and everyone kind of you know makes a point and has from a certain point of view that you know that they're valid points and it's really really interesting and I loved it because of that there, there are so many different layers and then there's a stupid layer when it comes to certain things in the story but overall it's very enjoyable I enjoyed it. I would definitely say go go and see it if you if you get a chance. Uh, go and see it if if you're on the fence whether you should go and see it or not. I think you won't regret it. Um, as an entertainment piece, which basically is what what a film is, it works. Now that will highly depend on what is entertaining to you. I thought it was very entertaining, even though, like I said, it gets stupid and silly in places, but that didn't bother me. Um, so I think you, yeah, go go and check out Inferno. I, I don't think you're gonna regret it. And speaking of regrets, let's talk about storks, because I'm gonna tell you right from the get-go, you're going to regret watching this. That's really harsh for me to say, but when this film was over, I was just staring at my friend, and she was staring back at me, and we were like, this was a waste of time and money. This is not a good film. It's setting out to be an entertaining kids film. And it's neither entertaining nor do I think it's for kids. And that's a really weird thing to say. I mean, obviously not every animated film is for kids. You know, we all know Sausage Party is out there. And I also know Japanese anime and a lot of that stuff seriously is not for kids. But judging by the trailer, Storks clearly is for kids. And watching the trailer, uh, sorry, watching the film, it's clearly aimed at kids, but it's it's not a good film. Not I don't think that there was one kid in in the in the screening we were we were watching. There was about eight adults and one kid, and that was it. I mean, we were watching it in the middle of the day, to be fair. But this film is just horrendous. First off, it's really really violent. There were several points throughout the film where I thought this is really violent and I, I talked to you about The Walking Dead earlier didn't I and I thought this was violent from a kid's point of view I mean there there are characters that get stabbed with forks and not just once then there are characters that get beaten with huge chunks of wood for slapstick purposes and I mean, I grew up, you know, with the Acme cartoons and like with Roadrunner and Coyote and all kinds of shit happening there. But I don't know, in Storks, it just didn't seem to make any sense. It, it was just violent to be violent or, or it, it, it's not actually violent to be violent. It's more like they, 
They were violent without seemingly realizing they were showing violence. I don't want my kid and I don't have any kids, but if I had children, I wouldn't want them to watch a film where one character, without consequence, stabs another character with a fork. What? If the kids emulate this, holy fucking hell. And there were other things in there that I can't remember right now, but there were several several instances throughout the entire film where I thought, this is really violent, for no particular reason, not necessary, and it's you're trying to do some cheap slapstick, and it's just not, first of all, it's not funny, and I actually found it very disturbing. And if a kid's film is disturbing to an adult, I don't know, that that clearly warning signs and alarm bells went, went off in my head. I really, really didn't like that. Um, aside from, from it being overly violent, which was supposed to be funny, and I never think that violence should come across as funny, especially in a kid's film. Kid's film are supposed to be cutesy, cutesy, little goody-goody two-shoe things, you know? Um, I mean, have a message in there, and yes, you know, creatures can die. I mean, God, Bambi's mom died. That's horrendous, you know? But no one got stabbed with a fork repeatedly. It's, it's yeah, that, that re like the fork one really got me. Like the stuff with the wood was already hard enough. But then when someone got stabbed with a fork, I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. You can't put something like this in a kid's film. What if a little kid watches this and goes, well, this character stabbed the other character with a fork. Nothing happened. I can do this to my baby brother. Bam! Why is mommy so upset about this? Hmm. Not good. But aside from the violence, the film is just not funny. It's not entertaining. It's actually really tedious and bloody boring. And I'm, I'm really surprised by that. Th there, was, there was only one funny scene in the entire film and it's in the trailer you know the stuff with with the wolves you know how they, they come across the wolves and you're like oh my god they're gonna eat the baby <gasps> and then they start licking the baby and the baby starts laughing and the, the wolves fall in love because babies are so cute and, and you just you just love it you're just so full of love and you can't hurt it um, and then the they the heroes steal the baby back from the wolves and the wolves go after the baby because they're now in love with the baby and they they turn into the the wolves change into a suspension bridge to get over a crevasse and it's like okay all right cool why not okay they're they're a pack of wolves and they're very well coordinated sure why not and then they get into the water and then the wolves change into a boat and i was like really but what made me laugh out loud there was the way the boat works is that there are wolves at the end of the boat and they literally just blow bubbles to make it go forward. So you have a couple of wolves go <laughs> just so, so the boat keeps moving. I was like, okay, that's that's kind of <laughs> a chuckle. That's kind of funny. That kind of tells you how horrible the film is that something like this actually made me chuckle. And then it got even better. Then they have to turn into a submarine. And they turn into a submarine with periscope and everything. And like in the trailer, you see one of the wolves on the side under the water go boom, boom, boom. And it just made me laugh. And that's kind of sad because it's not really funny. 
But that was the best bit of the entire film. And that's going to show you how horrendously boring this film is, if that is the best bit. I mean, to be fair, I kind of liked the ending, but the last 20 minutes, the, the last 20 minutes are actually a decent film. If the rest of the film had been like that, this would be a good movie, you know, or at least a decent movie. But the problem is that a lot of stuff happens and you just don't really care. And after a while I was just like, oh, can we get to it now? Can we, can this movie be over now? And then the last 20 minutes happen and they're really good. And after the film was over, we, we were kind of talking, we were looking at each other and going like, this was horrible. It's like, yeah, but the last 20 minutes and, and my friend was like, yeah, but the last 20 minutes. I was like, yeah, right. If you only judge the film by the last 20 minutes, this would actually be a good film. But the first hour was horrendous. And we were bored out of our skulls. And I mean, we, we like animated films. I mean, Jesus, I love The Good Dinosaur and that apparently tanked and no one liked it. I also like um, The Secret Life of Pets or oh, what was the, the one with the bunny police person? Oh, I can't remember now. What was that called? I love that one. Damn it. I can't remember the name of that. But that was good. So yes, I do like I do like animated films, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to see this. I mean, Jesus, I've I've seen the Angry Birds film and that was horrendous. That was I thought that was the worst film I've ever seen, but I think Storks is worse. It was not good. I mean, the, the babies are cute. The babies are super, super cute. They have this whole big eye thing, you know, like Puss in Boots and Shrek when he's like, mm, I want you to love me. Mm. Um, I don't know what that sound was. But that's kind of what the babies are. They're mega cute and, and I, I get it, you know. But you need more than cute babies. You, you need a bit of a story and, and something that actually, you know, matters to you. And none of the characters really matter to you. I did get teary-eyed at the end. I'm not sure if that's because of what actually happened or because of the, of, of the music that chimed in. But unfortunately, the last 20 minutes don't make up for the previous hour of absolute boredom. It was so boring. I will tell you right away, don't go and see storks. Don't even take your kids to see storks. If they want to see an animated film, find something else. I don't care. Take them to Trolls. Seriously, I thought Trolls, I'm going to watch it just because I like the music and because I want to watch everything if I can. But I, I think this is going to be a, a shit film. Just like Angry Birds. But after seeing Storks, I think Trolls can't be worse. So maybe go and see Trolls. At least you're going to have Justin Timberlake's song in there to, you know, tide you over. But Storks? Absolutely horrendous not good stay away from it wait if your kids want to see it tell them to wait until it's on blu-ray or video on demand or just you know distract them with something else seriously you're not going to enjoy watching storks because it was absolutely horrendous trust me on that there was a little short film in front of the film called the master and the chicken it's it's kind of a lego thing I'd never seen any of the Lego stuff other than the Lego movie, and I'm a huge fan, by the way, of the Lego movie. Uh, can't wait for the next one. But um, the the little short was already kind of an an indicator of how the major film was going to be. There were good ideas in the short, but the execution and and everything was just 
I didn't really care and after a while I just wanted it to be over. And it just felt like it took too long. Which it did. And then same with the main film, it took too long. And it was just boring and I just didn't care and I just wanted to get out of there. Which is probably why I enjoyed Inferno so much more because we watched that right after. And after this disaster of storks, Inferno just looked absolutely brilliant to me. So if you take away one thing from this week, take away to not go and watch storks. I repeat this, do not go and watch storks. Instead, just go and watch Inferno or actually go and watch the girl on the train. Um, if you're looking for more of a kids film, I think you should probably just go and watch Trolls. Even though I've not seen it yet, so disclaimer there. But seriously, stay the fuck away from Storks. Not good. You, you will regret walking in there. I mean, I don't know, maybe you always regret walking into a kids film with your kids. Maybe you just don't like them and you just sit in there so your kid can watch something. But even the one kid that was in the screening, I didn't hear that kid the entire time. I didn't even know he was there until he stood up at the end. I was like, oh my god, there was a kid here. He didn't look happy. He didn't look happy in the slightest. You know how kids usually go, it's like, oh, let's talk about what we've just seen. Oh, mommy. Oh, and then he did this and then he did that, as happened after, you know, Secret Life of Pets and the film with the bunny police officer, and I can't remember the name still. You know, kids were excited about it and started talking about it, and that's what kids do. And I mean, Jesus, that's what I do. You need to talk about things. But after Sorks, you just go like, oh my god, that was so boring really bloody boring so take it from me don't watch it watch inferno or something else but seriously stay away from storks all right that was pretty much the weekly watch this week this was a quick one thank god i was really trying this time um next week i'm going to hopefully be talking about queen of catway which is the new film with lupita nyong'o uh jack reacher you know, Tom Cruise is back as Jack Reacher. Can't remember the subtitle to Jack Reacher, but you know, the second Jack Reacher. That's what we're watching. And of course, Doctor Strange. I'm excited for that one. And if I can somehow manage it, I, Daniel Blake, which is a British film. Um, not a lot of you might have heard of it. It looks fantastic. It wasn't on my list. I'd seen the trailer last week and I'm like, oh my God, I have to watch this now. I hope to be able to fit all four in. Three of them I should be able to do, but we're, we're not entirely sure how, how we're going to schedule it because we're all of a sudden really, really busy. Um, if you want to get in contact with me, and I would love that, um, you can email me at weeklywatchcast, that's all one word, weeklywatchcast, at gmail.com. If you would like to tell me what I should be watching, what you are watching, uh, maybe you want to be on a podcast and, and talk about a film or talk about a TV show, Whatever it is, just hit me up. Um, I always like to get some feedback and talk to people about, you know, film and TV. It's what I do. Until next week, uh, probably in a few days, um, I will be uploading the next one a lot sooner than this one. Apologies for the, the, the can't talk anymore. Apologies for the delay. Yeah, I will uh, talk to you guys next week. See ya.